This podcast is part of the A3K Network. For more information, visit www.anime3000.com. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by this producer are not necessarily the views and opinions expressed by Anime 3000, its producers, partners, or affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody, guess what? The other side is back. I had an introduction made, but I totally forgot it. So we're just going to jump right into the show. I'm Cody Byer. And I'm Alex Berry. And we're going to talk about a new subject today full of excitement and wonderment. Alex, what's our new topic for today? Well, Cody, I know how much you like comics and all that stupid crap, so I thought we'd talk about a very specific kind of comic that you can find on the internet. On the internets? All of them? Most of them, at least. Probably not uh, Linux, but, you know. What uh, kind of comics are these, Alex Barry? Well, Cody Byer, <laughs> we're doing that now. Um, <laughs> this is a, a subgenre of web comics called web manga, and that's essentially web- an online comic drawn in the style of Japanese manga. Well, if it's web manga, it must obviously made be made by the Japanese, otherwise it would be a web comic. You know, the funny thing about that is that most of these are actually produced by Americans and a few Canadians and Filipinos in there, but uh, yeah, no, the uh, the majority of these web manga artists are in fact stateside. So then we can immediately assume that they don't know what the word manga means then? Presumably, yes. So um, is this a uh, an abundant thing? Are there a lot of these? Like, what are we looking at here? Well, I don't know if I'd say there's a lot. I mean, you know, it is, uh, you know, I mean, not very many people like manga, right? So, I mean, totally. Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. If, well, let's see. Uh, there's Mega Tokyo. That one's pretty popular. Um, there's Yosh. Uh, two Kinds. No Need for Bushido. Eerie Cuties. Oh, there's uh, The Watch. Slightly Damned, Amazing Agent Jennifer, Dracula Everlasting, there's Flipside, uh, Caribbean Blue, Misfile, Not a Villain, IMU, Earth Song, there's Path of Heroes, uh, Vampire Cheerleaders, Goblins, Past L Defender, Heliotrope, there's Marry Me, uh, Powerpuff Girls, Dojinshi, Grim Tales from Down Below, uh, Alpha Shade, Spinneret, uh, Yami no Tainai, Dream Scar, Menage 3, Owie House, Twisted Kaiju Theater, Red String, Girl Genius, Caller 6, Zap, Mahou Shonen Fight, Hollow Fields, Brimstone, Otaku no Yen, Destiny's Hand. Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> um, that's quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I suppose. I'm assuming that's not all of them. No, no, that's 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 a partial list. Yes. Um, so this is an epidemic, I guess we could say. Um, I, I would like to first address a little qualm. Uh, it's it's not web manga. Stop. All you people out there saying, I make mods and online manga. It's not a manga. A manga is nothing more than a term given to differentiate comics from Japan from comics made elsewhere because comics from Japan 
are similar in many ways and different from comics made elsewhere. Hmm. But they are still comics. The only way to make a manga is to go to Japan and produce a comic there. That, that is it. If, if you are making a comic and you are an American, you are making a comic. You are not making a manga. Nothing you do will make it a manga, no matter how anime, weeaboo, fucky, big eyes, motherfucking bullshit you put in there. You are not making, and you will never be making, a manga. But it's, it's manga a style. Uh, the characters have brightly rainbow-colored hair and uh, the big eyes and huge swords a lot of times, and there's cat girls. So why wouldn't and that, that is, be a manga? That would be a manga-styled comic. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yes, see, that, that is what is known to people that don't suffer from severe learning disabilities. Now, now these things are this is this is a this is a bit of an epidemic, and and also in that they are universally bad. I don't think there's any good ones. I don't think there's a single web manga that isn't garbage. I mean, can you think of one? I honestly can't. I can't think of any. There might be like a few that have anime-ish things in their style, but of all, and there are few to be honest, good web comics out there. There's a handful, but I can't. Yeah, there's enough that it's that you can't hate web comics in and of themselves. There's enough good ones out there, but I can't think of any of them that are so balls to the wall anime that are any good. Mm-hmm. Um, not off the top of my head, and I think it's that there is, and this ties into what we talked about last time, like with stuff like painting and stocking. There's this inherent thing where if you try to copy someone else and you try to reference other things. You will not make something good. Uh, you cannot create quality by trying to imitate quality. In fact, in fact, just the opposite. In fact, you will often, often a quality work will lead to an epidemic of poor quality copycats. Case in point, look what happened with Sephiroth in Final Fantasy VII. Now let's take away all the bullshit with the fans and the hype and all that stuff. Take away the pop. Just look at it as a product. Final Fantasy VII was a good game, and Sephiroth was a very good villain. Not the best in the world, but he was very good at what he did, which was being the antagonist. So what you had there was a character that exploded in popularity. So what happened? Imitator after imitator after imitator. So now, because of Sephiroth, of no fault of the creator's own and of the character's own, now you have this mass of silver-haired, low-key characters with big swords. You can't really hate Sephiroth for that, you know. It's not like, you know, this was all part of some plan. It just happened. But no imitator of Sephiroth has been good. Even like Final Fantasy villains that followed. Now I'm not saying they were all bad, but you could tell when Sephiroth was being channeled and it hurt the character. Especially look at Kuja. Like let's try to make another silver-haired villain, but let's make him more effeminate. Backfired big time. Yeah. More effeminate than Sephiroth is just not a good recipe for anything. Really? Yeah, Sephiroth has that nice little – He's he balances nicely on that line. You know what I mean? He's a pretty boy, but they have a reason for it. He's not just randomly pretty. He's supposed to be like perfect – so perfect it's creepy. Like he's so better than everybody, so above everything's creepy. And that works. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this kind of like like soulless Adonis. Like he's just so above everything. They, they even made it in the movie so he'll never blink, and that was a nice touch. So it was very – there's this purpose to this character. There's a direction. And when you have a direction with something, it helps with the quality. 
when you just copy things without not without learning from the direction it hurts and that's what happens a lot with web manga they're just copying anime tropes and anime style and there's no direction or creativity it's just i like anime i want to make anime too well, this is true, and I, I want to back that up for a second and say that uh, you know when you copy anime, I mean that's a very dangerous prospect because what is anime? How do you define anime as a genre of entertainment? Well, it's not really a genre, and that's the mistake a lot of people make. It's a medium. Okay, well, fair enough. And yeah, but like, and I think a lot of people, a lot of anime fans, don't realize that. And so they they copy a lot of these things they see in in various animes, not really realizing that you know this isn't anime isn't one umbrella so much as it's another method of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's brought us some of the best stories out there, but that's due to other factors, largely the expanded amount, the large amount of creative control they have in Japan versus here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not an it's like. All we would have to do to be as good as anime was have more creative control. It's not something that's inherent to anime. Uh, it's not, you know, something that's categorically anime. Yeah. It's just that's another way to tell a story. Yeah, but uh, and I, th- I think going with you said a lot of people don't get that, and like, uh, you know, what is, exactly what is anime? There, there, there's no answer to that question. So know, when you, you try to copy, it, you know, you know what it's like. Just real quick. If anyone who's seen Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, it's a standalone complex. It's copies without an original. There is no genre of anime. There is no one pool of things to pull from anime. So they are trying to copy, make a copy that does not have an original. What we have here is a real life standalone complex. Ooh. Wrap your brain around that one. Eerie. Yeah. Eerie indeed. Now, admittedly, if you take the whole of anime, or at least what has been released in America and become mainstream over here, and you distill it down, you can find certain overarching themes and concepts that reappear a lot. But if you try to draw from those when you are making your quote-unquote manga, you're basically just drawing from a pool of tropes and conventions that aren't necessarily indicative of quality in and of themselves. Right, you're just you're just you're just doing it because they did it. Yeah, you're not doing it because it worked. You're just doing it because they did it. Yeah, you know, and that's, uh, that is that boys, is a, you know, like you said with uh, Sephiroth, you know, you somebody does something right and then everybody tries to copy it. Well, you know, we've got a bunch of people stateside who were filling up their little comics with a bunch of pretty boys and spiky hair and possibly huge swords and all this crap that they think, oh, well, this was in my favorite show, so, you know, if I put that in my creation, then it's going to copy the quality of what I enjoy. Yeah, and if you're going to be... And, and there's nothing wrong with being inspired by what you like. No, no, no. But no. there's everything wrong with lifting from it. A good example, like, I, use, I have been using this show a lot as an example of quality, but it, it works. Black Lagoon. Uh, heav- the creators heavily inspired by uh, Coen Brothers and Tarantino films, and you can see that. But he doesn't copy anything from it. It just has that like he know like the the author and uh, knows the direction and and that feel of a Coen Brothers and Tarantino movie, and he he does his own thing with that as opposed to just hey there was this one scene in Tarantino movie I like I'm gonna do my own version of it. You know you don't have anybody in Black Lagoon. 
going on and on about quarter pound over cheese. And if they did, it'd probably come off more as an homage because it's not happening all the time. No. So if they randomly just brought up quarter pound over cheese, you're like, ah, there's a shout out to Pulp Fiction. It's not like they're having these, like there's every other episode is a scene from a Tarantino or Coen Brothers movie, but done a little different. Yeah. So uh, web manga, it's out there. And it's it's nasty. Yeah. Uh, we there are, there are a few choice offenders. Uh, actually, there is an entire uh, little section on Alex's website, articles uh, lambasting such works. Not only just web manga, but popular ones. Because if they weren't popular, we'd be making fun of some kid for his dumbass hobby, and that would be dickish. Exactly. These are ones that have inexplicable large fan bases and need to be called out. Mm-hmm. And who wrote this article? Well, it's written by a funny German fellow and a good friend of ours by the name of Max Vader. But it wasn't originally. It was written by yours truly. In fact, it was the genesis of Kuso. Kuso evolved from this. And looking back on the articles, they're old, the ones I did. You can see it is sort of the prototypical version of the angry psychopath that I play on Kuso. I think it's a little less refined looking back on it. There's a lot of things I wish I could fix, you know. Maybe a little less jokes where the punchline is murder. But... um. <laughs> That was a very popular theme in the uh, the early comic release articles. Yes, uh, trying to do that whole persona where I just hate and want to kill everybody. Yeah. But uh, they were they were popular popular things on the site. One of them actually, I think, is still one of your highest. And then get like, is it still get like some of the most hits out of your site? One of the articles. Yes. Your, and we'll, uh, your review of Mega Tokyo um, is consistently in the top 10 pages for monthly hits. So Yes, and I, I bring this up not to brag, but because you're probably going to see it whenever you see any article critical of Mega Tokyo. Chances are it will link like any kind of wiki, like even Encyclopedia Dramatica links to it. They love that shit, man. Yeah, so you you some of you out there may have seen it. Um and we will get to Mega Tokyo. Oh, but yeah. when I did but when I did, when we, when I originally did this, there was one that was very special to me, and that was two kinds. Uh, Why is two kinds special to me? Well, there's things, of course, you could say about it, Alex, and we'll let, I'll let you get to that. But I want to tell my little story. Now, I have medical problems. Now, I'm not saying that for sympathy. I just, you know, these are just some things that I've dealt with. And my my main medical problem is I have a hyperactive metabolism. What that means? I am essentially a human gas guzzler. Uh, my body burns off food overly fast. I have to eat extra meals and all that shit. And it's not huge. Again, I'm not fishing for sympathy. It's not even that big of a problem. All it means is I need to have an extra hamburger. That's not really so much of a problem as it is an excuse to eat more food. I love, frankly, I love it. I hate it when I'm hungry and I have to pass out, but otherwise, hey, an excuse to eat food when no one else gets to eat food, let's do it. Exactly. Now, I bring, I bring this up. To give a little backstory for a little story, because the thing is, I didn't know I had this problem when I first started writing this article. Uh, I when I first started writing this, I was having heart palpitations. Now, what with the I found out the cause of that later. Found out was because of a an imbalance in my diet. Because being a human gas guzzler, I'm essentially running on whatever food I just ate. So if I eat too much greasy foods or if I eat, don't eat enough and then I drink too much caffeine, it can cause irregular heartbeats and some other problems with me. So I didn't know this at the time. So I'm reading Two Kinds, right? And Two Kinds was incredibly boring. And there, of course, there are more things to say about it, about how bad it is and everything is wrong. But uh, also one of the biggest things, it was incredibly boring. I would notice that while reading it, my heart would slow down. I would get these like... 
Like my heart is like slowing down, and I'm feeling like woozy. Like I almost feel my blood. Maybe it was thickening. I don't know, but it's like I could feel it pumping through my veins. It just didn't feel right. So I gotta sit down. You know, I just get my heart beats irregular. I just I can feel it. Like it's slow, but it's hard. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I gotta lay down. Just step away from the comic and just lay. Just lay in my bed. And just okay, we're good. I get back up and I read it. Like man, this is boring. And as I'd get bored, my heart rate would slow down. Now, I knew obviously there was another reason for this, but I couldn't help but think that it was because of the comic. Like, you know how when something's exciting, it gets your heart racing? Like, maybe this was so goddamn boring that it was having the opposite effect and slowing my heart rate down. So I thought, could this potentially bore me to death? Is it, like, am I staring at the actual physical possibility of being bored to death? Well, you heard it here, folks. Two Kinds is so bad, it might actually kill you. Yes, indeed. Now, now again, later on I found out the cause, and that has never happened again. But the coincidence is just too delicious to ignore. Because yeah. I wasn't having that problem all day. And then I'm reading Two Kinds, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. boom. And then when I step away from two kinds, all of a sudden I'm fine. It's hard not to see the connection. So now that I've told my little anecdote, Alex, you know a little bit about two kinds. Tell the folks a little bit about two kinds and the overall – well, there, there, there is an elephant in the room with two kinds, and I think you would be the best man to describe it because I would, I would go off – you know me. I'm going to go off on this tangent and this tangent. I'm going to start thinking about this, and I'm going to start examining it as an artist and as a writer and then as the audience. But you're more of a succinct kind of guy. Be succinct, Alex. Tell us succinctly what's wrong with two kinds. Two kinds is furry porn. <laughs> Good night, folks. Da, 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 da. Yep. Uh, Care expand a little bit. Uh, well, it it builds itself as a web manga, and it uses a manga sort of art style. But the core of the story, uh, without going into it because it's really stupid and convoluted, but uh, basically there's this race of anthropomorphic characters, and they get naked a lot, and it's just a, it's a huge furry fan service fest. That's that's all two kinds is. I mean, every everything else is just kind of an excuse, and it it it, it, it makes me mad that people take this seriously. Well, not I wouldn't say it's all that because you're missing the deliciously stupid storyline, and I'm not going to get into it because it is stupid as hell. But there's a couple things that I want to bring up. Um, first of all. Again, what do you say with the fan service? Now, the main character is a human, and it has the whole thing. He used to be evil and super powerful, and, and, and stuff happened. I don't give a shit. No one gives a shit. None of you give a shit. But the storyline of the thing stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he falls in love with this uh, slave girl, cat girl. Cat girl's all over the place in this thing. In fact, yeah. 90% of this race, what do they call like, Keters? Keters? Keter? Something. K something. Um, that are like these anthropomorphic people. Like 90% of them are women, but then they have this other race of other anthropomorphic people, but they're different because they're less cute. <laughs> they're mostly guys. Yeah. They're mostly guys. And then the one that's not look, has like a total dog face, like 
total balls to the wall furry. Not like anime. Because like, anime, cat girl, anthropomorphism is like totally furry because there's human, like emphasis on human traits. But then like we start adding these other characters that are more and more furry. Like one has a total dog face. Now again, I'm not against anthropomorphism, anthropomorphism, nor do I believe that it is inherently furry. I grew up in the 90s. I primarily watched Disney and Don Bluth stuff. Animal people all over the place. I like the aesthetic. It's in fact one of my favorites because it, you know, it pops. It's it's very different than when people look human and you have a variety of creative directions you can take it. Mm-hmm. A variety of, of things you can do with it. How animal do they look? You know, how are you going to do this and this and, and there, you know, there's all kinds of differences in it. It's it works very well as an artistic standpoint. In fact, I'm working on a comic project right now. We'll be go online soon. That is very much based on the stuff I grew up with. So it has an anthropomorphic cast. And I think what separates furry from just something with anthropomorphic characters is a is is there a point to them being animals? And B, how are you using it? Are you using it like as wish fulfillment in se- in either sexuality or some kind of I want to live it as an animal kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Or are you using it for, you know, porn? You know, is there a point? Like like now no, granted with some of the Disney stuff there wasn't much of a point, but it never came off as this is my fantasy world of animal people. And I think you can usually tell like, are they an- – the animals that they are and the designs that they have, if if there isn't a point to them being animals, like if this isn't like they're not actually supposed to be animals or there's no – like these animals are a race or whatever, if they're not doing that, does the animal they are contribute to their design in any way or are they just randomly this animal? Because if it's the latter, it's probably furry. If there's a reason – like just think of it – just think off the top of your head a show from the Disney afternoon that had anthropomorphic characters, right? Now think of the animals that they were. Was there a theme to it? You know, was most of the most of the main characters this kind of animal? Uh, was there a reason that they were the animal? Generally, if not, there was. If not inherently, there was some other secondary reason. Um, so there was a point to the anthropomorphism. Whereas a furry comic will have no. Now you could say, well, doesn't two kinds have a point? Yes, there is. But then that goes to the second qualifier of wish fulfillment. And we what we have here is a whole lot of animal people getting naked mm-hmm. or close to it. In, in fact, this main girl seems to have an on again, off again sense of shame. Yes. Like, like for a while she'll just be naked, just travel. I'm naked. Which, like, first of all, why would that? I, like, on the one hand, why would it be a problem? Because she's got fur and it's covering nipples and shit like that. But on the other hand, it's like you're still very human shaped. Should probably still cover something. Yeah. Um. And then, like, I mean, that's kind of like wearing a skin-tight leotard when you're walking through the mall. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It's you might want to be a little more modest. Um. Eventually, if I let them naked, and all of a sudden, oh no, don't look at my boobs. Like, well, I've been looking at them for the last three chapters. <laughs> I don't know what changed here. We're yeah, we're in a bath. You're the same as I saw you down at the market. Yeah. Naked. So, actually, nudity yeah. is actually a plot point. I just want to bring this up. Nudity is a plot point at one point. Yeah. Because this one is like this one girl, the the dog, total dog face. Which, by the way, again, not against the total anthropomorphism, but you need to be consistent. Either they look like people or they look like animals. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just doing your different flavors of furry. Um, 
And, uh, of course, it can depend on how you depict anthropomorphic characters. I direct your attention to a lot of Disney stuff where, like, cuter characters would look more human. And and that works to an extent, but it's not what they're doing here. Uh, And you have, like, the one girl that's, like, with the dog face that's supposed to, you know, is, is masquerading as a man and has to hide, you know, her boobies. Yeah, she, and this becomes... she binds her breasts for due to some plot point that is really stupid. I'm not going to go into, but yeah. Yeah, and there's a whole thing about her being naked. Mm-hmm. There's a large chunk of the plot that is devo- devoted to this character's nudity. Yeah. And I think at that point, you are furry. Yeah. You're furry point. And like, now he's released all these like naked things of his anthropomorphic... And it's all the anthropomorphic characters with the fan service, too. I think you could you could like... Say you could say it will maybe not be furry, might not be furry, if there were human characters getting in on this too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like well, if there were some human. That would be a different if, subset of furry, but yeah. I don't know. I could, you could make the excuse that it's just varying kinds of women with different designs, and you know, pick your favorite. Okay. Um, but oh, I, I, if, I, I thought you meant if it was like the human males always having sex with the furry chicks. I was gonna say. That's no, no, no. I'm, so, I'm, that's I'm saying like if it, bestiality then. <laughs> No, but that kind of comes in because there's a not shown but discreet discretion like cutaway sex scene with the main character and the main cat girl, mm-hmm. and but they they've emphasized her animal traits so much like being in heat and fur and all this stuff that it feels like bestiality at that point because they they the comic has gone through such lengths to show her as being animalish mm-hmm. that when a human blinks her it feels weird. Yeah. Um, but going back to what I was saying, if you had like some human chicks. And you had fan service of that, and then you had the anthropom- the animal, the cat girls, and the animal chicks. Then it would feel less furry and more like a variety of girls and pick your favorite, like kind of a harem anime situation. Now it wouldn't be g- good, but it would be a better alternative, especially if you're trying to avoid the furry label. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, kind of uh, going off the topic of you know, it's not really furry porn. Something that uh, has happened lately, <laughs> I just want to go into this because I, I think this is really funny. Uh, the author of this comic, uh, Tom Fishbach, or Fishbach, or I was going to call him Tom. Yeah. He, um, he released artwork uh, of the characters for a while, you know, like voting incentives and just pieces on his DeviantArt account or whatever. And um, the furry fan base took these images, you know, because they were all of the anthropomorphic characters. And so these, of course. the furries, of course, took these and uh, they photoshopped uh, naughty bits onto the characters, you know, nipples and vaginas and all that. But of course. Yeah. So rather than getting all upset, he was basically like, oh, you guys... And so now he has his tendency to periodically release pieces of artwork of the characters that are in incredibly sexually explicit poses. Oh but yeah, I remember those. Though they, they've they've gotten worse, man. Like there's oh, one really? where they'll have like the uh, there's one with the the tiger chick like laying on her back, just like spread eagle, like right in front of the camera. But you know it's it's blank. It's like you know Barbie doll nudity. Yeah, but uh, the fans every time they take these and then they Photoshop. At, okay, I think it's the fans. He, it's supposedly fans of the comic, and then he's not doing this himself. But uh, you know, whether or not he's actually behind the uh, the quote unquote photoshopped images, you know, he he's basically just making furry porn at this point. It's it's do it yourself furry porn. It's <laughs> it's some assembly required furry porn. 
it's incomplete furry porn. Exactly. He's like, okay, here's this. You know, I I I drew everything. Now you just you know Photoshop a a, a slit in there and you'll be done. It's like uh, it's like when you get a playset as a kid and it comes with the stickers. Exactly. You put stickers on the playset. Yeah. Exactly, and then you just have to uh, to buy those separately. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, so. You know, it's, so it's think, obvious what these are supposed to be used for. Like, there is no other conceivable reason that he would draw the character sitting spread eagle facing the camera like that. It's you know what it's for. Exactly. It's it's yeah. it's it's yeah. You're right. It's very porn. So I think we can I think we can conclude that two kinds is uh, it's very bad and it is uh, it is pretty much crossed into furry territory and not looked back. Yep. And I think. Is there any uh, is there any web manga you would like to uh, bring to the table, Alex? Oh dear lord, there are there are quite a few out there. Um, you know uh, the uh, the comic release feature on the site that you mentioned earlier. It's a uh, it's an ever expanding feature, so you know it's something that we're adding to all the time, and you know we'll, we'll probably get through most of these at some point, but. Uh, the newest one that we've got up on the site is one for a comic called Misfile. And oh, yes. I'd just like to talk about that briefly because I think uh, the person who wrote the review of that, Max Vader, he did a very thorough job, and I don't think it needs going over, but this comic has been a thorn in my side for so long that I just want to take another little additional dig at it. Because if I can just go into the backstory for this real quick. Oh, dude. Um, if you recall, the original inspiration for the comic release feature was way back when. I think it was like 2004 or something. I uh, I wrote an article myself that uh, it was just sort of like a little mixed feature where it had, I think it was like six or seven different web comics on there that I didn't like. And I just, you know, wrote like these really short little bits about them, what, what I hated. And the article itself was, was pretty crappy. I ended up taking it down. But a couple of people saw it and they're like, oh, this was, you know, kind of an interesting idea. And then... You said, you know, I'd, I'd like to do something with this, maybe turn it into a regular feature, and I was like, okay, and, you know, that's how Comic Release was born. But Misfile was one of the comics on that original article that I did, and I hated it then. And this was like a year and a half after it first debuted on the Internet, and my hatred has just festered over time, and... It was so cathartic to see it finally make it onto the site properly uh, when the review was uploaded just recently, but it's a piece of garbage. I, I'm sorry, I, I know that's not very uh, eloquent, but basically... That's th that's more the kind of thing I would use to describe something. No, you'd probably say it was like a vomit, diarrhea, covered shit or something like that, but uh, and take 20 minutes to say that. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> no. But basically, the story for this uh, basically there's this stoner angel uh, who works in heaven in the filing department. I'm not making this up. This is all real. And he makes a clerical error, and so this guy becomes a girl, and this other girl becomes a younger girl. But nobody knows that they used to be a different way, and so he comes down to Earth, and there's wacky hijinks as they try to get in touch with their new selves. But uh, the main focus of the comic is on the character Ash, who is a male who gets turned into a female, and all the crap that he has to go through. And it's basically just a big mess of 
sexist stereotypes. I don't know. You you read it. Do you have any opinions on this before I just start foaming here? Uh, well, you foaming would be very entertaining. I think we should get to that. But I want to – the art is ass uh, to the ass power of ass. Um, it is basically like drawing pencil, which I can't uh, say too much of that. I'm a penciler. But it's very – it's like not – it's not cleaned up at all. Um, the shading is very scribbly uh, or it's like attempts at uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Hatching? And uh, which is basically when you shade something or texture something with a series of uh, parallel lines, which is not as hard as it sounds to do. So when you fuck up hatching, I mean it's basically just like I said it's it's like if you've ever colored in something and you like and just everybody knows it's like to color in something. You know how you move your hand one way and then back the other way. Imagine if you raised your crayon or pencil off the page when you went back the other way. That's pretty much how you hatch. Um, it's, it's pretty simple to do. Uh, this guy can't, uh, I don't think he can figure out how to adjust, you know, how dark something is, how light something is, anything like that. Um, but, you know, his art seems to have, have gotten worse over the years, like notably. Art de-evolution. Yeah, it's like he's, uh, trying to evolve his style, but he went backwards. Like he's trying to be... He's trying to be like less anime, but then he went to a different anime kind of style, and it looks more like ass. He was actually doing better when he was just ripping off big eyes, small mouth bullshit. Yeah. Well, it, the art style got lazy, basically, using a lot more, you know, basic geometric shapes, less detail. You know, I mean, it it happens to an extent with a lot of authors I've seen, even professionals. But this is really sort of like a textbook example of an artist just getting really lazy over time. Yeah, and there's a lot, and, and I really recommend people read the article that Max wrote because he really got into the, because uh, he he studies philosophy and he really got into the ramifications of the whole concept of like because of like the logic of because of a clerical error you're now someone totally different, mm-hmm. and then you know how it affects your sense of self and who you are and all that stuff and just how like this comic like. You know, uh, seems to pretend that these real these real implications don't exist, and instead it's wacky boob hijinks. And then the idea that he can't lift something he could easily lift as a guy just because he's a girl now, that he can't push a pedal as hard. I think it was the one. Basically, it's just like, like this is a guy that he's probably never met a real woman, doesn't know how to write one, doesn't know what they're like, like at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, women by default are physically weaker than men. This is true. Not by that much. No. Um, like, us- I mean, just usually it's just more generally accepted for a man to get physically stronger. Um, but a woman can too. And usually, and, and if you're just an average dude, um, and, ju- and you've become just an average woman, you're not gonna get that big of a drop in strength. At all. So that's, and then like the whole lesbian thing, because, you know, lesbians are hot. And what, what dictates all this other little stuff? Like what dictates the breast size and what, that, uh, the guy gets when he kind of goes from guy to girl? You know, how does, you know, what, what is, what 
what are the implications of all this? There had to have been things in his life that were that were affected solely because he was a guy. How did that change? Oh, we're just gonna make oh, Lowell have boobs now. Shit. Okay, cool. Whatever. Yeah. Um, you have a dumb premise. You have unlikable, almost scummy characters and scummy writing, and it looks like ass. And yet this guy makes money from it. That's what's, that's the saddest part. Well, that that's another thing. And I actually uh, I I knew that he had an income from the comic. I didn't know this until I was doing research for the article. But uh, he doesn't actually have any other job. He just uh, he. This is that, his job. That, this is his soul. I, this is all he does for a living. He draws this comic, posts. I think it's uh, five updates a week, five pages a week. And, uh, yeah, uh, he lives off of donations. And I think he has a family, too. So, yeah, the, the fans oh. are uh, are supporting this man and uh, his family. Oh, my. wait a minute. Someone married that thing? <laughs> I I think at one point he, he references uh, having children or something, yeah. so. Wow, not only did someone marry it, someone procreated? Someone spread those genes? Yeah. Dear God, woman, what have you done? The entire comic is just built around exploiting these dumb gender stereotypes. Now, I mean, like in a comedic sense, like, haha, women can't do math. The entirety of the plot, or at least the core theme of it, is based around the author making observations about the differences between men and women, and how people behave in different gender identities, and various sexual characteristics, and whatever. And the way he portrays the different gender roles in this comic makes me think he time-traveled from the early 50s. I mean, the whole motivation for the main character, Ash, is that his life is basically ruined as soon as he turns into a woman. And so he becomes obsessed with obtaining as much of his masculinity as possible, and of course he can only do that by indulging in stupid, stereotypical man activities and thought patterns straight out of a Tim Allen stand-up routine. And the biggest issue with that is that he's never depicted as being wrong or chauvinistic or anything remotely negative for that. His mission to prove that he still deserves the right to bear a penis, even though he's in a woman's body, is portrayed as this righteous quest to hold on to who he really is. This is supposed to be perfectly natural, relatable behavior for our valiant protagonist. And, I don't know, at the risk of sounding a bit like some wannabe intellectual, I am a caring and sensitive man looking out for his feminist sisters kind of guy, the way women are portrayed in Misfile is honestly offensive to me. Uh, not only does the whole physical strength thing come into play, but the whole character arc for Ash basically revolves around him finding ways to cope with the disadvantages of being a female. Not only dealing with unfair standards, you know, double standards or anything like that, those are played for laughs. But he's weaker, his sexuality gets all confused and messed up, he goes crazy and becomes an emotional wreck when he's on his period, uh, he has to struggle not to become obsessed with girly things like shopping and eating ice cream and all that dumb crap. According to the comic, the only real benefit to being a woman is that you get tits you can use as a bargaining chip to get what you want from men. Because, you know, those guys are all horny baboons who can't say no to a nice pair of knockers. This thing is really just a tragic failure as a piece of entertainment. But I think where it really stumbles is it's an even bigger failure as a commentary on the roles that men and women play in our society. Or, you know, the roles that this Chris Hazleton guy thinks they're supposed to play. It's just so... Ugh. 
it's pretty scummy, and I am shocked to hell and back that he that he has secured himself a real woman. Maybe she has really low self-esteem. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so Miss File sucks. I think we can safely <laughs> say it's 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 distinker. It it's a piece of shit, and everybody should read Max's article. And uh, speaking of webcomic authors who have managed to find love despite the odds, uh, how about that Fred Gallagher? <laughs> oh, the history. I, I always feel like when, when we do these podcasts, I feel like I rant too much. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a lot to say, and I can't really help that. I, I try to keep it brief, but I have a lot to say. I have too much to say with Mega Tokyo. I said a lot of it in my article. Um, where the fuck do we begin? I really don't know where to start. Um, the everything about it is wrong in every conceivable way. Um, the art looks like ass and has has improved only in like um technical sense. Like he's learned to structure an arm. Uh, he has not learned how the f- human body works, and he is sticking to this art style that looks like he's just – he draws everybody fucking identical to the point where you literally can't keep track. You can't keep track of his characters, especially because now he's taken to being more trendy and like more uh, more like a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's giving people alternate hairstyles and outfits. Now it's impossible to follow who's who. Yeah, if someone uh, changes their wardrobe, you're like, who the fuck is this? Is this, yeah. you know? And then they'll say something, and it's like, oh, it's that character. I thought it was this other person because they have the, the same face and body structure as everyone. And it's a very – it's a simplistic – like it looks like an NES RPG sprite. <laughs> you have the big eyes, yeah. a dot nose, and sometimes mouth. Yeah. And the eyes are usually not even open all the way. Everybody in Mega Tokyo – Looks like oh my god! I wish I could remember this comedian's name. He has the, the guy with the beard that he always talks like this. If anyone's ever seen the movie Canadian Bacon, which is the only good thing that's ever come out of Michael Moore. By the way, I was shocked as hell to find out he wrote that movie because I love that movie. And later, I found out Michael Moore made this. What the fuck? Um, Canadian Bacon, hilarious comedy. It's got John Candy. Um, and the, if if anyone's seen that movie, please tell me this guy's name. I can't remember. I've seen a stand up. I love a stand up. And uh, he he plays the Mountie when they go to the to the you know where the where the the mounted police and the 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 room like the log cabin and he's the one Mountie there, um the very low key guy he talks like this. Everybody in Mega Tokyo looks like they would talk like with his voice. Looks like they're that guy all the time. Um, they're like perpetually boiling like, uh, with their eyes half open. Mega Tokyo started as a um forgettable but harmless kind of comedy thing mm-hmm. because it had another author uh, Rodney Caston mm-hmm. who was basically keeping Fred Gallagher's ass in line Fred Gallagher is the archetypical weeaboo yeah. Fred Gallagher is like he is he who all otaku shall be judged against yeah. um, every otaku stereotype he lives hardcore um it is really pathetic, this man. Yeah. And he and and once Rodney Caston left, and seems to be it was taken from him. Gallagher wanted to make it his own little shojo manga. Mm-hmm. And ever since Caston left, 
words cannot describe what Megatokyo has become. It is an incomprehensible mess of a quote-unquote comic. It has its storyline and its plot points are laughable, um, literally. Not like a good way. Not yeah, intentionally. It is, it's not supposed to be. Right. It is. I mean, magical girls are not only present, but played in a to dramatic, like straight and dramatic. Like you have oh, the fact they feed. Goddamn comic is dramatic. It's melodramatic. Oh, Oh Lord, yes. Um, like a zombie Godzilla and make a whole dramatic thing around that, and oh my God. Japanese idol girls are taken to literal extremes, where they hold real power over the populace and must be controlled through secret shadow government shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, I can't get into it. You have a Necronomicon, but it has like a kitschy Japanese name and a goth lolita girl uses stuff from it um you have rick rolling being used as a weapon this is uh, this it, it is like um like the art like the seminal comic for weeaboos and otakus yeah. like if you if you know someone that enjoys mega tokyo unironically they are likely a weeaboo i mean there's just no you don't. You're not going to like this comic if you're not a weeaboo. Well, Gallagher has even said that uh, some of his main inspirations for this were dating sims, Japanese dating sims, and uh, different anime like I think Love Hina was one of them. Uh, different, you know, like uh, harem anime, and uh, yeah, it shows too, and it it. It is. It would. It would need. It would require its own podcast, <laughs> a, a multi-part podcast, to go over everything wrong. I just for most of the shit, there's like a million articles people have dissected this thing. You can check out my article. It's not gonna be hard to find. Um, it is atrocious. It really is. Um, it so many things that I could just. I, I, I will I like to bring up I have been doing a parody rewrite of Mega Tokyo, which is apparently gaining a fan base that I was not expecting. Um I was I started doing this for the guys at Project After Forums. I call it Nega Tokyo. And I've just been doing a joke rewrite where I basically the idea was um to make Mega Tokyo intentionally stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot of like like a uh, really vulgar humor, a lot of like really extreme shit, a lot of rape jokes, a lot of rape jokes. <laughs> I basically turned Larg the character Largo in Negatokyo is a serial rapist who speaks in over the top hip hop slang. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and I would just like to point out that because of the way this comic is done, I have been able to skip pages. Rewrite dialogue with vulgar, with ver- with great vulgarity, and um, again, it, it done in a way to be intentionally stupid, and also make entire multiple characters out of one character because of how different people look, and people that have not read Mega Tokyo cannot tell the difference, and I have gotten quite a few people telling me that a lot of my goofy rewrite shit makes sense th- more sense than the real dialogue. 
And I'll, I'll, it actually I don't does. It. That's that's the really sad part. Is the storyline is more coherent than what actually happens in Mega Tokyo. Yeah, because the idea was I when when Mega Tokyo starts to get a story, I start giving Mega Tokyo a story, and the story is done intentionally to be stupid, mm-hmm. and not make any sense and run on idiot logic. Yeah. And apparently, I've I've made it make more sense. Then make and you know what I believe everybody who said that because in in parodying Mega Tokyo I've had to read it and I cannot follow it at all. Um, stuff happens. There's the plot of Mega Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff and everyone seems really bored about it. <laughs> People fall in love and I can't bring myself to give a damn. A uh, lot of mascots. A lot of. Uh, Anime tropes kind of abused, and a lot. And Fred Gallagher is terrible at everything he does, and yet people give him money. And he has a store of merchandise, and it sells. And I have seen people wearing Mega Tokyo shirts. Ugh. And they he even markets a sad girl in the snow blanket. Um, I think how much did that fucking blanket cost? Was it like twenty bucks? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, it was. Been a long time since I bought mine, so I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, it is astounding to me that people give this man money. It is astounding to me that this man continues to get hits. I mean, it's been great giving, it's been giving me a source of comedy that's been, you know, giving me something to put out there, and I've been thoroughly enjoying. Changing Mega Tokyo to be about the adventures of a of a megalomaniacal otaku with dreams of world domination and a serial wigger rapist uh, in advent- in their adventures in stereotypical Japan, while two video game villains threaten to destroy the world by utilizing Fred Gallagher's ass art style. And that's one thing that I, I want to bring up that I that I make fun of, and one of the things I'm lampooning with this thing. Because it's hard not to see Fred Gallagher at times just seems to want to get rid of his background because he wants you to focus, I guess, on his wonderful lollies. And uh, a lot of people just seem to end up in a white void a lot. And then as things go on, they tend to be covered in scribble. Now, more recent comics are so scribbly, like if anyone's wearing a shirt with texture, Gallagher decides to, to convey this texture by venting his Parkinson's disease on a piece of paper. Is it, it is it some of it is just a like remember one time I I, I, I peeked in to, to get a neg- a page to make fun of from Negatokyo and I couldn't help but notice that the page on the on the front page was not finished. Yeah. And the bottom like your bottom panel was just a mess of scribble scrabble. It was a work in progress. You could kind of see shapes in there. Mm-hmm. But it was like I think what is that a rabbit on a giant cock and I think I see a a dragon and it that looks like the Super Mario Brothers. Is that the Super Mario Brothers? Has a uh, a real bad habit of posting work in progress pages with a note like, "Oh, I'll I'll finish this later. I just didn't want to miss the update." You know, no, finish the fucking thing. It would have taken you an extra 10 minutes. Just finish the goddamn page, Fred. And it would have. I mean, I draw I can I can attest to the people out there. Mm-hmm. Now it's not like he inks it. It's not like he colors it. It's not exactly. Like, it's all you know. pencil. 
and 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 I I, I can shed a little insight of this. I do pencils. Um, when you do pencils, professional pencils, I can't verify how professional Fred Gallagher is, and I say professional loosely, only in that this is his job. Which, by the way, is pathetic. This is his job, and he can't meet his own deadlines. You know, in the real world of comics, deadlines are God. You meet your fucking deadlines. If they want these pages by this time, you better have those fucking pages by that fucking time, or they can find someone who will. Yeah. Fred Gallagher has his own schedule. Like, I'm I'm currently working on a graphic novel right now. Um, I don't know when it's going to be out on a store shelf, but I'm currently working on a graphic novel. I can test that it takes – when I sit down to work on a page, it takes about eight hours. Um, and it's not published yet, so I don't have the kind of strict deadlines. But I still try to work as if I did, so when they do start imposing deadlines, it won't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, generally what, what they will mostly usually ask you for in terms of comic deadlines is generally you want a page a day. It should take you a month to do a 20 to 30 page comp. So it's generally a page a day and give yourself a few days off. Mm-hmm. Fred Gallagher updates a page, like three pages a week. That's his schedule. I think it's gone down to two pages a week. Yeah, he yeah. can't manage that. This is a man that draws with less detail than I do, less detail than types like Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee. And these people can churn out a page a day. Now, when you do a comic page, this is generally how you professionally do it. You lay out your panels. You figure out how your panel layout is going to be, and you, and you do the outline of your panels. Then you do like a rough, rough sketches. Now, these are often done in what's called non-photo blue, where you, where you take a, a – it's a very light blue coloring pencil. Like it's a pencil, but it's erasable, but it's, it, it's, it writes in a very light blue. Now, what the purpose of this is it doesn't show up on a scanner. Well, she'll show up a little bit, but it's because it's so light, it won't show up as much. It's very easy to get rid of if it's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you notice, if you look at any professional comic art board that comic pages are drawn on, you'll see that the outlines are done in this light blue. That's non-photo blue. It's so the outlines won't show up as much on a scanner. Um, you do you generally do the sketch. This little, It's a rough sketch, a lot of scratchiness. Some people don't do it in non-photo blue. They'll do it in the regular pencil and they'll erase because what you do after the rough sketch, you start adding fine lines. And I, this I'm is what learning you learning so much about comic making right now. Yes, and in turn, you also learn how pathetic Fred Gallagher is. You, you see, after that, you, you do the fine lines. And the fine lines, basically, you just trace over what you've done, and this is where you start adding texture detail. Like if you've ever seen comic and you see like a tree and it'll have all these little lines to represent that it's full of leaves because you're not going to draw every individual leaf. You have to create an illusion. So this is where you draw a lot of your textures, a lot of your shadows. Like you've ever seen like little hatchings on the side to represent a hard shadow but not like so hard that it's black. Those are done in this stage. Uh, this each it's either two not counting the panel layout because that takes like a couple of minutes. Generally, these two stages, if you're going to draw it well with a large amount of detail, right? if you're going to be anatomically correct uh, with realistic details and, you know, like uh, anatomy is going to be more true to life as opposed to more car- something more cartoony. If it's going to be true to life, this will generally take you about it's – a, it's a work day. It will take you about four hours for the sketchy part, four hours for the hard lines. Maybe a little less for the sketchy part, a little more for the hard lines, but generally that's the amount of time it takes because it takes a longer for the sketchy part because you're mapping out the image from scratch. Mm-hmm. So you're figuring out what the pose is going to be, what the camera angle is going to be. You're figuring out the image, and then when you do the hard lines, you're just finishing it up. You're touching it up. So it takes about 
eight hours. Now, if this is your job, eight hours is fine. You do eight hours a day. You know, that shouldn't be too hard. Fred Gallagher does not draw with realistic detail. He is not Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Fred Gallagher, all his details boil down to simplistic lines, scribbles, and that's it. He scribbles onto simple dolls. That does not... I could draw a Fred Gallagher page in, let's say, in his newer stuff, four hours. Most of that would be spent scribbling. So the fact that this man cannot meet a two-page-a-week deadline is coming from someone who's been busting his balls in the comics industry and converses with people who are already in the comics industry... That is pathetic, mm-hmm. and he should be ashamed of himself, and that is why he will never be anything other than a niche piece of shit, because he cannot step up to the big boys. If he were, if he thinks he, and he is a catty motherfucker. This is a man that cannot take criticism. If he heard this podcast, chances are he'd throw a butt, he'd throw a butt hurt pitch fit. Mm-hmm. Um. But he, and this is a guy, and he will, and he is hard pressed to compliment people. There are many stories of. Like his appearances in artist alleys where he has met artists much better than him and he has criticized them. Um, he would not last a day if he went to a real Comic-Con. That's why he mainly goes to anime conventions. If he went to a real comic convention, he would be eaten alive and spat out by the people who actually know what they're doing in this field. Yeah. A real comic artist would come up to him and basically, oh, you do something for anime fans. Uh, some web thing, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that Some looks kind of like bullshit that weeaboos like, and yeah, yeah, just like it, that looks. Yeah, that looks like an amateurish kind of thing. I can see why. Yeah. Like, oh, you're published. Oh, that's surprising. Ten bucks says he went to like someone from Image Comics and told him he was published. Hmm. Uh, he was actually published by Dark Horse, but then not anymore. Yeah, I can't help but think there's a reason why he was published, and he's published by a popular. Let's be honest. If he submitted that. If he if he sent like a six page submission plus a story summary which would be incomprehensible to an actual publishing agency and just try to get this thing published on its own merits, he would never hear back. He got published because he's got a following and these people thought they could make money off of weeaboos. Yeah. And I'm I'm going on a lot right now, but this is mainly this is, I mean let's face it, Alex, you set me up. Yeah. Um, no, and and this, you mentioned Fred Gallagher, you opened the floodgates. Yeah, and and you can, this is kind of in getting into the realm in which I am dedicating my life, yeah. which is comics. And Fred Gallagher doesn't deserve an ounce of his popularity. No, nope. at all. He does not make a quality product. He does not. He doesn't even treat his fans very well. Um, he does. You know, he should be updating regularly and often if this is his job. At least the fucker on this file does like five pages a week. Which is still um, nothing compared to like the 19 pages a week that real actual manga authors have to put out. But ex- exactly. In any um, case. But they have to be to be to be fair. They have assistants. This is true. Help. But, but even even if the assistants are doing half the work, which they're probably not. I mean, that still averages out to like what eight nine pages a week. So. Yeah, that's the the. I mean, these the, these uh. Gallagher has no excuse. He can't. He can't say that he's a fucking. Oh, I'm a dad now. Which, by the way, how? 
<laughs> um, that kid, I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't say I'm, I feel sorry for that kid, but I don't. That kid is going to walk all over him <laughs> and just own that house. You know what's going to happen. That kid's going to go through adolescence, find out he can kick his dad's ass. <laughs> And he ain't going to listen to shit. I actually don't think he'll grow up to be an undisciplined adolescent. Actually, I think his his father will be such an example of what I don't want to be when I grow up that it will keep that kid in line. Yeah, he's going to grow up and be president, man. Yeah, because he's going to grow up like, like you know, i got to shape up. I'm going to end up like my dad. I don't want to end up like my dad. You I'm know not going to be in my 40s and, and drawing a, you know, otaku <laughs> jerk-off material on the internet. And, and playing dating sims and shit, and he still plays them. He's married, and he plays dating sims. What the fuck? Um, stay in practice. But yeah, that's shock. And that, that seems mean, like, you know, you're attacking the guy's family. No, I'm legitimately shocked that someone as weeabooey as him could find a woman, impregnate the woman, and spawn. That flies in the face of everything we know to be true in this world. Well, um, one more uh, webcomic I'd like to discuss really quick, and don't need to spend a lot of time talking about it because I don't want to talk about it for a long time anyway. It's just basically just a piece of garbage to me. You familiar with the uh, Owie House or Owie House? Oh, I'm familiar. I've seen it in bookstores a couple times, and like a like uh, anime like styled sorority, pretty much. Um, basically, well, I don't know. Here, let's uh. Let's let uh, Wikipedia tell us a little bit about this. Alley House is a harem original English language, um, O-E-L, that actually has its own acronym, manga series written by Adam Arnold with art by Shii, Shie, uh, published by Seven Seas Entertainment. The story follows the misadventures of two down-on-their-luck college guys named... Alexis Alex Roberts and Sandy Grayson, who are thrown out of their college dorm and join an anime club dominated by crazed yaoi fangirls. And that summary actually does a really good job of describing the comic, because that's pretty much all there is to it. It's just bullshit misadventures with these stereotypical kind of loser guys... And all these crazy anime chicks, and each one of them represents a different archetype, uh, you know, that's common in anime and manga. Like you got the 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 hyperactive uh, moe girl. You've got like the bitchy, probably a lesbian girl. Um, like the untouchable hot girl. I mean, they're all there, every single one of them. But I, I encourage our listeners to find uh, Owie House and just read through the first, you know, maybe 10 to 15 pages. Even in that much, you'll find pretty much every stereotypical, overused anime convention, all of them just crammed the hell in there. I mean, it, it is relentless how shameful this thing is in just exploiting. It's like, it's anime on steroids. Yes, I mean a lot of and a lot of just about any, every stereotypical anime thing down is super deformed and the reactionary stuff. You got cat shit, yas, and uh, every gratuitous, anime butt shots. You know, yeah, you know every every sort of even just traditional conventions with like the sound effects and the reaction shots and the way it's structured. It's just even the shape of the speech bubbles. Exactly. They're, they're even the speech bubbles are even structured vertically, 
which yeah. is unnecessary. That's that's done because the Japanese writing is generally vertical mm-hmm. in manga, and you know you don't there's you don't need to copy that. You don't need to make it look like I'm like it was fucking translated from Japanese when it wasn't. Yeah. I mean that that that, that again the whole the reason they do that is because that's that's their language. Our language tends to be horizontal, Usually. so you would make your yeah, so you would make your speech bubbles horizontal. Yeah. The only time you wouldn't is if you if it's like this panel spacing, like if you have a a vertical panel, mm-hmm. and you're fitting dialogue in there, and generally still you want to have it horizontal, and you'll keep your speech bubble at the top of the bottom. Yeah. There's no you generally such excuse don't want for that here. It's just you know it, it's a stylistic thing, you know. Oh, this kind of look. This will look more manga-y if I do it this way. But you, you can tell it's very like it's not. It, you can still tell it's not real manga, even if you didn't know it was made in America. There's there'd be something off mm-hmm. because this happens a lot. And I'm not going to get into another whole artistic lecture, but <clears throat> but generally, when people, a lot of people that copy anime style learn the style before they learn the basics because the basics are boring to them. They want to start making anime. Yeah. Um. So. Perspective, proportion, things like foreshortening, um, things like uh, general body structures. Um, I, I'm willing to bet most of this is not drawn using what's called a skeleton, which used to map out the length of each uh, body part and their position and everything like that. Um, there is, you know, things are very awkward. Hands, hands are a big sign. Uh, someone that has learned to draw can draw hands. Um, someone that has studied anatomy in the human body can usually draw a hand. When the hands look awkward, that's usually a sign. Um, elbows are also a sign. A curled arm is also often a very good sign of someone that has not learned anatomy. Um, usually they, it will look, they won't know where to put the overlapping line to show that one part of the arm is in front of the other. And they won't know – again, it's a matter of foreshortening, so they wouldn't know what part to make shorter – Thinner and closer to the viewer, so it comes off as very flat and stiff and unnatural, and almost like an Egyptian cave painting. Yeah. And there's a lot of that here. Like you can tell, they learn the anime art style before they learn the basics. You can tell there is not a lot of structuring here. Uh, it's just like okay, this is where anime, this is the way anime shapes a cheek. This is where anime puts the eyes. This is where anime uh, makes this go. It's not. This is where this is on the human body. Um, and you can definitely see a lot of that here. It's very, it's even done right to left. Yeah, exactly. I was going to bring that up. It's purposely flipped, even though again, that's they do that in Japan because you know they they read from right to left, whereas you know we go left to right, so it's backwards. But you know, I I, I really think that this is a is a good. If you want to discuss web manga, just look at this comic first because it so well encapsulates everything that is wrong with web manga in regards to people who don't know anything about actual how the Japanese do it and just trying to kind of emulate what they see coming over here and having no idea why they're doing any of it. It's yeah, it's 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 they they're learning the style. They're not learning. It's it's that thing like I said with Sephiroth. They're not learning. They're not learning the direction. 
because there's a direction behind what's done mm-hmm. in manga. They're just learning the what's on the surface, and they're just trying to copy what they see, and they don't know where it's coming from, so they just end up creating a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the inspiration is obvious, but... Uh, oh, look, there's a, there's a panty shot. Because <laughs> they got those in that anime. <laughs> But, uh, and I like panty shots. <laughs> oh, there's so much ridiculously unsexy fan service in this. Oh my god. And it, it's one of those two where uh, the the main characters are sort of these stereotypical loser anime lovers. So, you know, you, you can tell that the, the person drawing this is from that same group, but they're kind of trying to distance themselves by making fun of it. Like, you know, they got this weird well, self-loathing thing going on. Well, not only that, but there's also that thing of like, but look at all these hot chicks that are into it too. Yeah. Be like, yeah, I'm 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 a I'm a loser guy who's 150 pounds overweight, but you know my characters that I draw in this comic can get ridiculously hot women, so why can't I? I'd also like to point out that even the fucking uh, next latest, previous, and first kind of thing for reading the comic is backwards. So yep. the buttons that to go to the previous and first comic are pointing to the right, while the ones to go to the next comic and the newest comic are pointing to the left. That confused is... the shit out of me the first time I ever read this. Yeah. Saw that, and I'm like, w- wait a minute, what? It's Oh, those are backwards, too. What? What? Why? And I just got yeah, depressed. This is... This is very much the prototypical everything. This and Mega Tokyo represent everything that's wrong with the idea of web manga. But there are so many other bad ones. I feel like we should touch on this topic again in the future. You might have to because, revisit it. Yes, because there are other great ones. Like I, I'm seeing the ad for Spinneret on the Owie House website. Oh, that one is god awful. Yeah, that needs to be discussed. Oh, that one's um, abysmal. Yeah, so we will be we will be not not in the next podcast. We're not going to harp on this for too long, but we're going to let it. We're going to come back to this in the future, mm-hmm. uh, webmon, because this is an epidemic. It is a plague upon mankind and the internet, and it must be explored and destroyed. Yeah, and I think we're just the people to do that, because yeah, yeah. too many people will either kiss its ass or be too polite. Like it's their thing. That's not my thing. But you know, whatever. That's because that's what we do here at the other side. We're the honest people. With the sense of standards, mm-hmm. so that's so that is our way. It is our credo, and it is what brings us to do and read shit like this. Yep. And I think we also, at some point in the future, also need to start going over something positive. Yeah, I could I could use something uplifting after this. I think I think next time, or at least in the in the near future. We'll have to see what's on the pike for us, folks. But look forward in the future from the guys from the other side. We're going to be gushing on something very soon. <laughs> Until then, I'm Cody Byer. And I'm Alex Berry. Saying, it's comics. Not manga, comics. Hey guys, I am Sean Ryan, also known as the Grey Ghost. And I am Kevin Gray, also known as the Business and the LLC. And we are Method to Madness!
a weekly podcast that cusses and discusses anime and video games. Yes. And other otaku subjects. That That is what we are here for. We are here to rip them up and sometimes build them up. The shows that we love, the shows that we hate, the shows that we watch so that you wouldn't have to. Go to thegreyghost.net or go check us out on iTunes. With whiskey. <laughs> this is so stupid, but awesome. That's why this is going to be great. Anime. Uh, Japanese cartoons where giant robots protect us as we sleep. Samurai can fly. And little girls are more than just cute. Many podcasts have attempted to review such things. But once they're gone, where can we turn to? I don't have time to f*** around. Don't worry, guys. This round is on us. Oh, yeah. Introducing the Anime 3000 Bonus Round Podcast, where an elite team of podcasters go above and beyond the Call of Duty to review anime right when you need it. Wow! Incredible! You can find the A3K Bonus Round on Anime3000.com and on iTunes. Keeping the bar open for one last round, the Bonus Round. What's the Anime 3000 panel? It's anime, manga, and gaming. What's the Anime 3000 panel? It's bloggers, podcasters, voice actors, and members of the anime and manga industry. As they discuss a variety of topics ranging from giant robots to tokusatsu. What's the Anime 3000 panel? It's the future of anime podcast. Oh my god, Becky. Yo, this is Sean Russell, host of the Anime 3000 panel. Uh, just sick and tired of hearing all the whole anime podcasts that you done from yesterday. Same format, review this, piss about that, plus they lack consistency. On your favorite podcast, there's bloggers, anime, and manga insiders. Just go to anime3000.com, it's not that hard to find us. So you better just pay Find out what you've been missing okay. As corny as this rap was I bet that you just keep on listening Now, I'm just gonna stop right now And just tell you right now Check out Anime3000.com The Anime3000 panel We're unique, diverse podcast Oh, I guess that's it